What's good? Welcome back to Inside the Green Room. Harrison Sanford joined by Danny Green, who is currently in New York. And somehow we are still doing this Zoom thing, my friend, as opposed to... You need to book out a studio next time. If we had a studio in New York, you know what I'm saying? We gotta we gotta build one out or something. Find some some I mean, if I could build one in Long Island, but it's a little bit far now from where we both are. But you know, eventually we'll we'll get one in the crib, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Danny is playing uh I guess what? You'll be here for until what, Thursday night? Yes, we play in town. Tuesday night and Thursday night. We leave after the game back to Cleveland. Three trips to New York in one season. Ain't, ain't bad, huh? I've been lucky, man. I've been, you know, uh, somehow the the good trips find me. Yeah. Do you go? Do you go back to the actual house? In Long uh, sometimes I do. Oh. Sometimes I do. Uh, it depends on how long the trip is. This one is longer than the most usual ones. Now that there's two teams in New York, so you have a chance now to stay a little longer. And now that they do try to save travel and have games back to back within the the week, so I may go home on Wednesday, see the family, see the you know, see the pops. It all depends, but it, it depends on time of day, and it's kind of a hike, and depends on you know if I want a, a meal or not. But uh, sometimes I do, and sometimes I just catch up with a lot of friends out here in the city and just stay here and keep it you know pretty simple. Because riding an Uber for that long or getting a car and have to come back, we have practice the next day or shoot around. It, it can be a little annoying in the city. The city, you know how the traffic is. D D Danny Green doesn't doesn't ride the subway. You too good for the subway? I'm on that. Nah, that never train. too good for subway. It's it's <laughs> still it's still a hassle. It's still a pain in the ass. But it said I I rather you know sightsee, watch the road. But it said I think it's the worst traffic in the country is in New York. I said, nope. and I lived in, I lived in don't, L.A. Don't do that. It's definitely don't, worse. No, no, hundred percent. No. L.A. L.A. is definitely worse traffic. No, Without, there's bigger highways. The there's bigger highways, and you can there's you know fast track lanes. And I mean, maybe because people know that we we know when to drive. I don't yes. think you've driven much in L.A. Yes. But it's L.A. Right. is it's, not. Oh. There's never been a time where of bumper to bumper traffic in L.A. In New York, everywhere is just, the city's 13 by two. It takes you forever. You can get anywhere in L.A. in 30 minutes for sure. And longest 50 minutes in New York. You're never, never you could be gridlocked in New York. Yes, you could be gridlocked in New York for sure. You just, a you lot just, of times you will. Yeah, and, there's just certain times you just don't take drive you in New York. Half, it never takes anybody hour and a half, two hours to get places in LA. You just like just like your cereal debate, bro. But you know what? I will circle back to this. I did try the milk first one time, and oh! I do understand the logic. I have a confession. I do understand oh, the logic. We got him. Really? Because I'm not a committed. I'm not a committed member. No, but I understand the logic. Of doing, but now it's like at first I'm like, oh, this, you're doing a lot to be different. But now when you say the second bowl, when you get the second bowl of cereal and the milk is already in there, and you can fill up the cereal, so that's what it's similar. That's what it's like. So I understand the logic behind it, and it's not as crazy as I thought it was. But it seems like a lot to do to fuck put your milk in first before the cereal. It's like just ask backwards when you said. I feel like a lot of people do it just be different, but I do understand the logic of putting the, the milk in and then putting the right amount of cereal and you keep filling it up. But I only do that with the second bowl. So I'm not a committed first bowl, <laughs> milk first, cereal second type person. That's not me. But I did try it. And I must I must say, I admit and I confess that I do see the logic behind it. And it, oh. it makes sense a little bit more now. Danny, you make me so proud. <laughs> you make me so proud. 
Welcome to yeah. the welcome to the dark side. Or I meant to tell you that the other day, but it came up just now. But yeah, I meant to tell you the other day. So yeah. <laughs> welcome, Danny. I'm I'm glad you understand the merits behind pouring the milk before the cereal. I'm sure people uh, chimed in or tuned in to listen to some basketball talk. We'll we'll get to that in just a moment. We're going to touch on John Morant uh, returning to court uh, and returning to the Grizzlies, uh, the MVP race. Uh, but before we get to all that, it is March Madness. My brackets are officially busted. So uh, is everyone's. I had Baylor winning the national championship. That didn't pan out. I had TCU making it to the Sweet 16. That didn't pan out. I had Marquette beating Michigan State. That didn't pan out. And I didn't, you didn't have Alabama? Out. I, didn't, uh, I mean, Alabama felt like a given. I'm, I'm just talking about my other teams that I was Yeah, you said at. Baylor winning like, the national championship is nuts. Yeah, no, well, no, 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 no. Not the way that they score. Uh, but it, 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 I look like a fool now because they <laughs> couldn't get past Creighton. So, yeah, um, yeah we, we, we'll, we could talk about brackets later on, but I'm in this, but in the spirit of March Madness, Danny, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what is your favorite upset of all time that you participated in? That I participated in? And, and, and I don't think you've been in too many upsets upsets like if i think about your nba titles i think yes the raptors you were an underdog but because of everything that happened i don't think you guys were a heavy underdog once the series started actually being played so uh, you can't go no we were underdog in san antonio that we were the underdog we lost to them and nobody was supposed to beat miami um the way they had bron bosh and d wade yeah we lost to them the year before so that was an upset. San Antonio making it and then beating them the, the next year. Obviously, when the season, the series starts, people can predict like, like oh, okay, we had, I think we had home court advantage the second time around. I think they did the first time around. Uh, Toronto, yes. I mean, obviously with KD going out and then Clay getting hurt a uh, multitude of times. He got injured, I think the hamstring, missed a game or two, and then the knee happened in game six. Um, so yes, with those are being given as the series starts, people were like, you know what? Toronto has a chance, but going into the season, nobody predicted us. Um, for sure. But for me, college, March Madness, my biggest favorite moment, even though I didn't have the biggest game, was my freshman year. Everybody left the 05 team that won the national championship. Me, Tyler Hansborough, Bobby Fraser, Marcus Ginyar, Mike Copeland, and um, among others, David Wells, our senior that year, Rayshon Terry, one of the juniors, Wesley Wes Miller, uh, who's now coaching Cincinnati. Uh, he's been balling, having a great uh, couple years there. Um, we upset Duke on senior night, I believe. Tyler hits a big three. We were the underdog for sure. And this was a regular season game, but I think this was to close the end of the regular season. Um, but beating them in Cameron, obviously one of my favorite moments. And then, of course, to beating Miami, I think, because they were at full health. You know, Golden State was a little different, but Miami full health in 2014 was my uh, NBA biggest upset moment. Yeah, let's, let, well, let's, let's, let's touch on the, the college one first. Um, I forgot, I forgot to put that into the equation. That must've been a wild experience because you guys were all freshmen going yes. into. Going and we into, weren't uh, supposed Cameron to make the tournament. Going. We weren't predicted to make the tournament. We weren't predicted to be that good. And that was the year we actually were pretty good, but we lost a really good team in the tournament. We lost to George Mason who went on a run. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the George Mason year. I think my, my freshman year. Wait, you guys lost to George Mason. Yeah. Oh, and, and the second game. Dan, oh, I, I got it. I should have done a little bit more. I dig it yeah. back. Danny, it was definitely an upset. You were a three For seed. Sure. You lost Let's... to George Mason. 
and, and you got outscored in the second half, 45-33. You had a half, t- you had a seven-point halftime lead. 100%. That qualifies I've, as an upset. I've never said we've never been upset. We were times, even said when we played Kansas, we were upset. Georgetown, we were upset. I just said, you I don't know, think we were a high seed where we lost to a team that we had no, George Mason was a good team. They had seen, we were all freshmen and three seed for us was pretty, that was like a, that was a lenient. We got a pretty good seeding for where we really were. And then being 11 seed, I think just because of the, the uh, I guess the conference that they were in, they beat a lot of good, they were a good team and we were a young team, didn't have much experience. After the fact, after the fact, we, we were, were upset. part yes. of what built them up. We got upset. This is my first year. Purdue Thank has you. older kids. Virginia has seniors. Like these are guys that are number one seed. <laughs> Lost to what seed was a uh, Furman? 16. So Fer- Furman was a 13 seed. Took down number four Virginia. And per- Purdue and was Fer- and Fairly Dick- Fairly Dickinson was a 16 seed that took out Purdue. Now it's so a yes, three it's seed not, to 11 yes, seed. It's yes. not as bad. No you took an upset had, L. We took an upset L. We've taken many upset L. I, as, um, I'm just trying to get into the mindset of taking that upset L. When you when, so when, as you, a, when you when you're North Carolina, it's a little to George Mason, for sure. Different in the locker. Room. As a rookie, though, as a freshman, your first time in a tournament, you don't really know what upset like because any any loss is just a loss. It's not like oh, we weren't supposed to. We've been here before. We've never been there before, so we don't know. Mm. Like oh, we have experience. There's no excuse for this. We had no experience. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when you have experience, it changes things. And losing to a team you have no business losing to is that it's never a good feeling being upset um, and letting your team, teammates down, your family, your organization, your fans, you know, the, the pride of the school down. Um, but losing to a team like Purdue, losing the way they did to a team that shot one of their first, like their fourth worst shooting nights in their season. And you could, they only scored 58 points. They were, you know, it was, it was a really tough, a bad loss. And Virginia just kind of melting down at the end. Um, those are really tough losses. I mean, regardless of what the seeding is, what the upset is, anytime you lose in a tournament, it hurts. And it hurts deep. But when you're instead a senior, when you have some years, you have some experience, and you know what it takes at that point, it's like when you get to tournaments, like you have to, you're going to have a night where it's going to be bad. You just have to get yep. through. You have to, you have to win your losses. So you have to find a way at some way, shape, or form and when I say win your losses, you got to make sure the bad night that you have, that you keep it close enough to where you can fight through it and get the win because it's going to happen. We had a tough time even 9 LSU was our tough game. That was one of the games we didn't play well enough or play our type of basketball where we wanted to, but we had to fight through to get the win no matter you know what happened. Any way, shape, or form, we had to win our losses. The people say, make your misses, win your losses. So in a tournament, you only get one shot. So when you're those higher seeds, you got to make sure your bad nights aren't the worst in the world and that they're good enough and your defense is good enough to hold other team to where you can still put yourself in position to win those games where you're, you're playing some of your worst basketball. Um, so yeah, going into that locker room, thinking about that it. Sound, that's, that, a, that sounded like, that sounded like coach Danny green to me. I just try to give a little <laughs> bit of input here and there. You know, when you have more experience, when you're not, when you're not a freshman, you know, by sophomore, sophomore year, a little bit junior year for sure. It's like, damn, you know, we only have but so much time with this group. Um, if we bring it right back, we better make sure we make it happen. And now we know for sure what it takes. My rook, my freshman year, you, you, you're just wide-eyed and, and and just happy to be there and excited to be making a tournament. I watch this on TV all the time. I can't believe I'm in this. Um, and then second year, you're like, all right, we need to make a good run. We lost to Georgetown. 
Um, but yeah, going through it and seeing it and watching it and also going through the playoffs and playing against certain teams, you have more chances. Obviously, that the cream of the crop's going to rise when you play a team at the beat a team four times. But when you get eliminated by one game elimination, anything can happen on any good night. The worst teams could beat the best teams, vice versa, et cetera. Uh, and you have to have be healthy. You have to have some luck on your side. And you have to have, you know, have that experience. That's where it comes, you know, comes into play a big part in the tournament of experience. But everybody's bracket's always busted every year. You can't predict it. You have a better chance to win the lottery. And because it's that a lot of it, it has to do with kind of the luck of the draw and luck of your night of how well your group's going to come out and shoot well enough or play well, click on all cylinders for that night. And it's hard to base a whole team season on one night or one bad, you know, one good night or one bad night where it sends you home or moves on to the next round because you had a really good shooting night. Yeah, it's uh, the tournament is always uh, a joy to watch and a pain to predict. That is for sure. Uh, speaking of the NCAA tournament, uh, real quick, Danny, uh, I wonder, because your wife, Blair, it went to Purdue. I mm -hmm. wonder how she feels about the men's basketball program. I saw a ridiculous stat as it pertains to their head coach, Matt Painter. This was his fifth loss against a double-digit seeded team in the NCAA tournament. Three straight years they have lost to a double-digit seeded team in the NCAA tournament. That's tough. Uh, so she doesn't like, yeah, no. <laughs> she doesn't like hearing, especially when Devontae texts her from Indiana, the IU-Purdue rivalry oh. runs deep. Um, so they go back and forth all the time. But anytime Purdue loses, she's like, I can't believe they lost. They had the number one seed. They were a really good team this year. I thought they were going to at least get to the Sweet 16 Final Four, whatever it may be, um, and make a decent run. Um, but in her mind, in most people's minds, just like the guys from Virginia, you know, yeah, we may have lost, but a lot of people are going home with us too because there's only one winner, you know? So that's how it is. And then when, you know, Devontae texts her, my brother who went to Indiana, he goes, you're going to be right there with us soon. And guess what? Only two days later, <laughs> IU is back them. home, but they're yeah, right there with them. So um, it's never a good feeling at the time, but when you've seen it happen so many times over and over again, you know the formula, you know what's going to happen. You know most teams are going to be right there with you. Um, and back to my favorite upset of all time, one that I was not involved in, Duke Carolina Final Four. That is something that will hold us over for decades to come because we don't know if that will ever happen again in a matchup another you know, 10, 20 years. But I don't care if they made it this year. It was definitely worth the win last year. We, can, we have that over them for the next 20, 30 years whenever that happens again. Yep, that, that is that is for sure. Uh, March Madness, man, there's nothing like it. It is uh, definitely fun to watch uh, and brings and has stories that last on for decades. You know, I actually caught myself watching the one shining. You, this is what you should do, Danny. You should we're going to take a break. And mm -hmm. during the break, you should watch the, the 2009 one shining moment on YouTube. I'll check it I out. Just we'll watched, see. I actually just watched it the other day because I was I had to explain to somebody what one shining moment was. They didn't know what it was. I, that's well, that's unbelievable. Or they are yeah, uh, were they a sports fan at all? Or are they just no, no, no they no, have no, no idea no, what sports no. But they okay. but they know it's March Madness. I'm like, one of the key things, one of the key fabrics of March Madness is one shining moment. Hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. All right, we'll be right back. When we when we come back, we we have to discuss job returning to the court for the Grizzlies. What's going on with Danny's Cavaliers and much, much more. Be right back. What's good? We're back inside the green room. Harrison Sanford, Danny Green. And I uh, want to touch on 
uh, a moment Danny had with his former team in the Philadelphia Sixers in there in his head-to-head matchup Cavaliers versus uh, Cleveland there in Cleveland just not I guess what a week ago there Danny but I first mm-hmm. want to talk about something that's going to be more present uh, on Wednesday it is assumed uh, that John Morant will be making his return to the court uh, Adam Silver suspended him for eight games for conduct uh, detrimental to the league uh, they did find that uh, or the, the investigation found results that Ja wasn't traveling with the gun that he brandished on his IG live. So therefore the eight game suspension. Uh, and obviously he was spent time away from the team. So that counted towards the suspension. Uh, Danny, as Ja gets ready to ready to play again for the Grizzlies. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the punishment uh, and job going forward? Um, there's many ways to look at that, right? You know, a lot of people are like, you know, he didn't do anything wrong. He's by himself partying and harmless. You know, nobody got hurt. Why is he getting punished so far? Then, But then you look at it, you know, you can't, you know, guys have gotten punished way worse for smaller things. Um, so you got to find the happy medium. And I think that the ideal punishment, or the punishment for me, I thought the two games made sense. I think eight games on top of the two, or if it was total eight, you know, it makes um, somewhat sense. I thought maybe it was going to be around five games or so. Um, obviously, they have to make an example, right? Um, so, you know, Adam yeah, Silver But he already had taken time. He did the the time away, the six games that he missed. We ready. It's almost like a self-suspension almost. But For he, sure. I, I, but, but he said he was getting counseling in Florida. So I, I'm curious what you thought about that that as well. And Which is, I think, is, much ne- is very necessary and much needed. You know, I think it's a step in the right direction for him and for that group. I think this year for them is, a, I wouldn't say a rebuild year, but a year of, of like getting more experience, um, especially with a lot of those younger guys. Um, with the fact that they have Steven Adams out, and we don't know if he's returning for playoffs or not. Brandon Clark being out, that kind of takes you out of championship contention. Now, Jaron Jackson is a very talented player. Desmond Bain is a very talented player. These guys are really great. Dylan Brooks, um, you have some guys on the bench. You got, you know, Luke Kennard, David Roddy, um, Tyus Jones, who is now starting and held down the fort for quite some time. These are all great pieces for a championship team when you have everybody whole. Um, but without Steven Adams and out Brandon Clark, it's pretty much a tough battle uphill to try to, you know, put them in the, you know, championship contending conversation. I don't see that happening. Um, so, you know, get job back on, on the right path, get him learning and growing and maturing, get those other guys healthy and get everybody else, the younger guys, more maturity of playing together more, um, which said hopefully back next year, I think will put them – where they started this year as a championship contending team. Um, but him taking time away, you know, great. Uh, I guess it is a, a great sign of, of growth, you know, for him mentally, emotionally, and a maturity level. Um, but we'll see what he does from here, you know, how he goes and how he reacts. He's always going to play well on the court. He's, that's never been his issue. He's always been a great player and done things um, at an amazing level. Um, impressively to shock and, and entertain the world. Now it's how can you handle the attention? How can you handle everything else off the court? And with all the things thrown at him, it, it's tough, you know, with the handling and managing, managing friends, family, partying, and enjoying yourself as a young, you know, millionaire. Um, not everybody knows how to operate in that. So, you know, hopefully it's that he can, you know, figure it out and do this a little better. And I think I think he will. And it'll make not only him, but the rest of his group stronger, smarter, more mature, where they, he can lead them to a better path and they can, you know, grow from it. So interesting to see. Um, 
I'm excited and, and see him back on the court. I'm happy that he's in a better mind space. Um, I'm glad the suspension wasn't too crazy. Hopefully, you no know, other sponsors are you know backing out on him. Hopefully, they're still supporting him. And um, said I'm, I'm excited what he can bring back to the game of, of basketball in this league because you know the fans miss him dearly. I'm sure the city of Memphis misses dealing his teammates do, and a, a lot of people around the league miss competing against them. So um, you know I'm, I'm interested to see what what happens or what takes place on on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, you, you bring up Ja and, and you mentioned the injuries there to Steven Adams and Brandon Clark. I think with the way the West is looking right now, it's in shambles, bro. Still up in there, Nugget, right? Nuggets, Nuggets <laughs> are losing left and right. We don't know what's going on with the Warriors, particularly with Andrew Wiggins, if he's going to turn to the court. Uh, Mavericks are dealing with injuries. Clippers are having an issue with Russell Westbrook. Whether they see it or not, it's evident. Uh, and their starting line and their closing lineups. Um, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns, Lakers. Phoenix can't. Phoenix can't get healthy, uh, and and their star players have a history of being unhealthy in key moments or in in the playoffs. Lakers. Uh, we don't know if LeBron's going to make it back for the regular season. We'll talk about that later. It's. I think I got to give the Grizzlies a shot because they're still up nobody there. else. Nobody else is impressing, and I did see. Um, tonight, or at least Monday night when we were recording this, Santi Aldama did have a career high in points. And I do think from the time that I was watching you while you were there or watching the team while, they, while you were there, I do think playing Jaron, who's, play, who's, who's played really good since Ja went out, playing Jaron at the five, Santi at the four, does open up some more offense for a team that was going that is going that usually struggles in the half court in a playoff setting. I think that opens up things a lot because Jaron has shown the ability to take people off the bounce, and you know Santi's not afraid to shoot. I think they might have found something, uh, a little lineup here, especially while while Ja has been gone. They've had some success. I agree, and I told you from the beginning of the season when they had guys out, even when Jaron was out, I said Santi's gonna have to be the guy to step up for them to make them or keep them afloat while Jaron's out and also be the X factor to help them give some, some half court um, scoring, but also some scoring off the bench when it came in Brandon Clark, of course, with him being out now, but him and Tyus were the main two guys. Now that he's out, Santi's going to have to be that guy. Um, interesting enough, like you said, you went down the list of the West. It is very open and up in the air. It's crazy to say the only consistent, good team or team that's been winning is the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> and how much can you really put faith into them and with their experience or the lack thereof? They have some pieces there that have some play of experience, but can you really put all your eggs into that basket? Or can you really trust in that nope. or believe in that? No, nope. I still think with the way they've been hooping, how open the West nope. is, I could see Sacramento making a run that we've never seen them do before. And they could probably get to this third round and be like, I don't see them making it to the finals. But I think with how open West is, like you described, with all the injuries, and it takes a, a lot of bit of luck also in the postseason as well. You have to be playing your best basketball, but being healthy. And they've been the healthiest team so far throughout most of the season. Yeah, they have. And they have. I, I hope and expect that they stay, even with, you know, Simonis has little bumps and bruises. He still gets up. They still hoop. They're still playing. Um, and with the scoring they have off the bench with Malik, I can see them making a pretty good run and outscore, beating some teams. And six, seven game series, you know, and, and, and shocking a Clippers team or, or shocking a Golden State Warriors team. Um, so you said West is wide open. And even with the injuries of Memphis has, 
they do have a shot of still making it to the Western Conference Finals and maybe the finals. Um, it's, it's so it's going to be it's interesting. Wide, it's, it's wide open in the West. I think it's going to make for a very uh, fun NBA playoffs, particularly in the Western Conference. Uh, well, let's focus over to the Eastern Conference where Joel Embiid has now become the MVP favorite from all the, uh, it, 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 the debate's gotten nasty about yeah. the, the, the voters are, you know, their bias against Embiid and all this, you know, back and forth. And mm-hmm. because of the, uh, we bring up the racial day, issues. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. End of the day, we, we've known that Joel Embiid is elite. Um, yes. And this season so far, especially with the way the Nuggets are playing, uh, it feels about right that Joel Embiid gets the MVP award, despite the fact that uh, Jokic is averaging a triple-double. I, I agree. I think uh, it's overdue. I think Joel got he got robbed, uh, we'll say, last year or maybe the year for One of those years, I think it was last year, um, he had a, a hell of a year. And it could have went either way, but I think that was his year to win it. And because I don't think anybody wants to see a three-time back-to-back-to-back MVP winner, I think it helps Joel's case a little bit. But he's putting up the numbers, and I can't take away anything from anybody. I know you look at the history of the numbers, and, you know, we owe Kobe one, Bean should have got one. But the teams and the players that have won it um, were on winning teams. Steve Nash, he brought his team, and he put up some unbelievable numbers. Jokic, even if he does win it this year, rightfully so, he's put up some unbelievable numbers. His team is top in the West. Um, He's done it, you know, three years in a row. But – Joel, the numbers he's putting up as well, and I don't think this has anything to do. And I'm, don't be wrong, I'm not naive to what's going on in the world. Yes, the certain things do play a role in, in certain situations, scenarios. The media has different votes. The fact that Joel doesn't have an agent might not help him. Um, you know, the fact that he said back in the day, you know, things talked about that weren't talked about now. He said a little bit. Uh, I said we move the needle a little bit more when it comes to certain categories and topics, and when it comes to, I guess the the analytics of the game. Um, but Joel said he's made an unbelievable case the last two years, and I think it's overdue for him. He's definitely earned one, and he should get it this year. But I can't take away from any of the MVPs from the past and Jokic's MVPs the last two years and this year if he were to win it, rightfully so, because it can go to both either one of those guys. And I don't think anybody in the league would be mad at it because the way that they've both been hooping, the numbers Jokic have been putting up and the way he plays and led his team to the top in the West, which is supposed to be the tougher conference, it, it's not this year, and the and the Sixers have a better record. Well, you can argue that it could be because of how close the games are. You could argue that it's way more balanced out. It's tougher because you know uh, how close it said from thirteen to to four to five, they only separate by three games. That's because there's so much talent that you could argue that as well. Um, but yeah, the West is a stacked conference. There's a lot of talent there. East is too. I think this is the, the most balanced we've seen the league in some time, and the most open it's been. And I think not that's open. why the games are in the, in the East, maybe not as much, but in the West for sure. And yeah, for sure. You, usually it's more top heavy on both sides. You can kind of predict yeah. four or five guys, four or five teams that'll be winners. And this year, it's not that easy. And, and this year, you can, this year, I think I could open up my championship pool to about eight teams. Yeah. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild. Um, but, okay. So the, talking about uh, Embiid in this MVP case, it does remind me of and you were his teammate during the time i firmly believed that Kawhi leonard was the mvp in the year that russell westbrook got the mvp because russell westbrook averaged a triple double 
and everybody mm-hmm. said, "Oh, this triple." Uh, and I, I and I I was one of the people like, "Yeah, he's playing great. He's a great player." But look at those turnovers. Look at the defensive side of the floor. Kawhi is clearly levels, not even one level. Levels. This was a plural. Toronto year. Was this a Toronto no, year? No, no. This was this is when Westbrook won the MVP for the triple double. The triple double yeah, year. I don't know what year that was, so I'm trying to figure that uh, out. I so was it, he in I, San Antonio? I, yeah, honestly, Kawhi was when Kawhi was in San Antonio. I think oh, he was really young. Me, don't, don't he was really young, up. and I think oh, there was other no. people. It's hard to not give oh. it to a guy who averages a triple double. No, bro. Fair to Jokic's point. I, I can't, and I think Kawhi's I, I, best I, I year of actually taking over the league by storm, and obviously it happened most of it in the playoffs. MVP is a regular season award. Yo, his best. And he I, had yo, a great year in Toronto as well. But no, no, also, no, was, you got to give the, the fact. It was the year when you had LaMarcus. I believe it was the year when you first got LaMarcus and he was he played hooping. nine games. No, he, he no, played. Okay. He, okay. Play, he didn't play that many. He didn't play enough games. And Toronto said that that would have been the most arguable year for no. him. He just that was, missed he only too many played games. He only played 41 games that year, Danny. There was yeah, a he whole. Didn't, that's what I'm saying. That's the game. Friend. The most go games ahead, he's played before that when he was younger might have been 60, 66, 68. And he wasn't averaging enough. He wasn't averaging twenty something. Maybe he was, but I don't. I don't think so. Here we go. Twenties, two thousand six, two thousand seventeen. That was that was when Russell Westbrook. That's when he did the MVP year, right? So oh, sixteen, seventeen. So two thousand seventeen. Yes. Year? Yeah. So now I gotta. Now I gotta. I, the, the thing is, two thousand sixteen, right here, Kawhi, sixteen, seventeen. He averaged uh, seventeen field goal. He averaged. Let's see, what we got here. Was this real? 25 points, mm-hmm. uh, 55, five, five and a half rebounds, three and a half. 1.8 steals. Yeah, five point. Yeah. And then it was obviously, when it, it was also the, the defensive impact. I don't want to go back and look at all the analytics that said 38 that. from three, 48 from the floor, 74, 74 games. Yeah, 74 games of Kawhi. And what was our yeah, record was, that year? It was pretty, I mean, you guys are probably the number one seed or something. I don't know. Yeah, but 25 back then. I said Russell averaging a 30 point triple double. <laughs> he wasn't and averaging a 30. I, he was was he averaging a 30 point triple double? Yeah, bro. Like yeah, as MVP, it was 30, you got it was most MVPs yeah. average 30 points a game. <laughs> and they're winning and they bring a, a bad team to the playoffs. Russ brought a bad not a bad team, but a team that wasn't good. That everybody left. KD and all of them left. And he had a hell of a year. You can't. You got to give it to him. I can't, you know, I, so. I, I, no, I, I'll present you the Kawhi Leonard argument uh, for uh, for another show. I, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I'm telling you, Kawhi should have won, but I don't have all that. I don't have all of the evidence I need for that case right now. I don't want to lose a debate without having my evidence at least. Uh, with okay. that being said, uh, oh, okay, fifty-four so, wins, so, twenty losses, nine double doubles. He had nine double doubles that year. Kawhi. Yeah, Russ had how many triples? I'm not trying to... My guy. It's my guy. <laughs> Love him to death, man. But I think that he had a great year that year. No, no, I can't. No, no, we can't. I make, just think because he was so it, young. No, we're not doing this. It's not fair. Okay. It's not fair to Kawhi to, 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 to just look at the triple doubles. That was the whole ba- That was the whole basis of the argument. You can't just base the, tri- the, the MVP off... The trip, the the fact that it's a triple double 
when it could be inflated when you also put it against some other raw stats For sure. that are really I don't, important, like the defensive plus think. minus, like the number of turnovers, like the efficiency of how you score. All of these things also do matter. And this is why I don't want to have the debate because I don't have the numbers to actually prove my point. For sure. But <laughs> you didn't say triple-double. I can't beat triple-double. I, don't, I, I didn't don't say to, just that. Oh, I'm I, saying there was more that went into efficient. it. Efficient. <laughs> I can't, Russ I can't also said the word triple double. took a team that wasn't supposed to be that good to the playoffs. I don't know what seeding they were, but you got to remember they're all like of the people four, that were like in four or five seed. that MVP conversation. You forget that James Harden was averaging like 35 points a game. Like Steph Curry this, during that time. These guys were top teams like, during that time, and they were top players. You this still had like, LeBron James and Kevin Durant that were still doing amazing things. That's quite had a great year, but there was too many guys that had really good years that year. Yo, it's not, it's just like going to court and you came to court with all of like, with, with all, all the documents that you need. Cause all you need yeah. to say is triple double. And you I didn't bring go, my brief, I didn't, I didn't, and I didn't bring my double. brief and I didn't bring my briefcase. You know, I don't I have, like, I, I, I need double. my, I need we my We can papers. get back to this. We'll go back to yeah. this. We'll get the numbers. We'll get the papers, but we'll go back to that. And all the other players that were MVP caliber contention players that had a great year that year, it might've been. Paul George, no, we'll he wasn't. We, we, we'll, okay, we'll, 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 we'll sure. relitigate it. We'll For sure. It. Uh, uh, quick, quick thought uh, before we get out of here. Uh, two things. Uh, I noticed uh, that the Lakers are number one in defensive efficiency since the trading deadline. Uh, they will be bringing back LeBron, I think, at some point, but apparently not during the regular season, uh, according to a uh, friend of the show, Chris Haynes, reporting uh, that it doesn't seem likely that he'll be back uh, until the potential play-in playoffs, I'm not sure. Uh, quick thoughts on your former team. I think they're hooping, man. They're balling. They made some good moves. I like D'Angelo Russell for them at the point. I like Shorter coming in off the bench, making some things happen. Austin Reeves been hooping. Um, AD has been doing what he's supposed to be doing and staying healthy. Uh, Vanderbilt, he's been an X factor for them defensively, offensively. You know, getting some rebounds, making some plays. Malik Beasley knocking down shots. They you know hit 15 threes and a half against uh, I forget who was, uh, but they're showing new life. They're showing having some fun more so than anything, and better chemistry. It doesn't seem like there's so much intense uh, nature and atmosphere on the bench or any arguments or any bickering. They're just balling right now. Obviously, things are different when everybody's not healthy. We'll see with LeBron or how it changes with LeBron coming back. Some of those guys are going to have to come with the ball a lot more. Obviously, Austin Reed is not going to be the ball as much. Schroeder's not going to be the ball as much. Delo's not going to be the ball as much. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting how to figure it out. But Darvin Ham, I think, has done an amazing job so far. Excellent job with that group. And those guys have accepted and embraced their roles, and they're, they're playing good basketball, you know, playoff-like basketball to get that team to where they need to be and, and be in the playoff contention. I mean, they, I mean they, they very well could be in the Western Conference Finals if they're healthy, <laughs> but that's – that's the story for 80% of the teams in the Western Conference. If you're healthy, you could be in the Western Conference Finals. Regardless of, regardless of what your record is, it's kind of wild that way. All right, DG, uh, time to turn off this podcast equipment. I, I, I'll i see you in real life soon. For sure. Later. Yep, Brooklyn, here we come. Other than that, uh, Danny, tell them what to do, please. Read, rate, subscribe, review. Check your boys out on yeah. all platforms. And when, we, and when we come back, yeah, when we come back next week, I will, I'll, I'll come back with the Kawhi evidence of why he should have won MVP that year. I'm telling you, come, he had, he had said, a better case. I, we'll, we'll, we'll do, we'll, we'll, guy, do you know, we'll do a, we'll I, do a formal debate. 
He got defensive player of the year that year, no? He got defensive player of the year that year, I think. Um, Why? He should have. I think he might have. Listen, I'm not prepared. Anybody winning both of those, that's that's tough. But I will bring back the other players during that year that also had great years and numbers. And I'll say I'm a root for my guy because – but I have to play devil's advocate. I can't not come to the table and say and be biased and be like, yeah, you know, should give it to Kawhi. He had a hell of a year. He had a great year. He got an award, I believe, that year. Defensive player of the year. But there was a lot of other strong cases. As a person who appreciates efficiency – Oh, I appreciate when you see when, when you see Kawhi's numbers, you're gonna be like, okay. I'm, I'm with you, man. Right, I don't, right, I don't right. knock it. Gotta play devil's advocate. It's my job. Yeah. For sure. All right, we're out of here. Deuces. <laughs>